presence of the Lord. It is my privilege and my pleasure as we were planning this Veterans Day service to bring to you a veteran, a veteran in the United States Marine Corps. I appreciate this young man and the call that God has upon his life. He's got a call to touch the heart of veterans, and I, I can't wait to hear his sermon. He, he, he emailed his sermon in so we could get his sermon notes. You know, we put the sermon notes, the main points in the scriptures. He, says, he said, Pastor Mike, did you read my sermon? I said, I didn't. I want to hear it fresh. I want to hear it from you, okay? I read a little bit of it, but I did not read all of it, I promise, just a, just a little bit, and uh, uh, I'm not that guy, okay? I want to hear it fresh just as you are, and so it's my privilege and pleasure to bring Brett Alexander to, uh, to the podium this morning to minister a word to our hearts and to minister a word to our lives. This sermon is not going to be just for veterans, okay? It's going to be for every person in this house. I know it, and the Spirit of God knows it, so I'm so glad that you're here today. Amen? Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Good morning, good morning. Thank you, sweet pea. That's my daughter, Ella. All right, as Pastor Mike said, um, my name is Brett Alexander, and what an honor it is to be here with you guys today. And if this gets too far from my mouth, I just want you guys to kind of go like this, and I'll bring it back up, okay? Uh, I served in the United States Marine Corps from 2011 to 2015. Uh, I was a 6154 airframe and hydraulic mechanic. So pretty much I worked on the hydraulics, the skin, the flight controls. I did the rigging. Um, I worked on, uh, on the four blades. I got any O2 blade guys in here? that flew or messed with the two-blade Hueys and Cobras? No? Well, whenever I got in, they just upgraded. So it was, it was a brand new platform. And uh, my, my beautiful wife here, Renee, she was with me at the recruiter station until the day I got out. She was with me the whole time. Uh, she held the whole fort down while I was gone, about 18 months of my, uh, of my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter at the time's life. So it was, it was quite a deal. It's, it's, there is a sacrifice that comes with it. And I know that everybody felt it and everybody paid it, so thank you. I did bring this big backpack up here for a reason. This would be pretty similar to like the main pack that we used uh, when I was in the Marines. And I'm sure other branches use something similar to it. But I brought some stuff, uh, I brought some stuff with it. So some like foods and main pack and, like, and tools that we would use. So for the Army, I brought an MRE. Everybody remember these? Everybody had some of these? Yeah. Man, what these things will do to you after a month or two, huh? So there's your food. Um, I also brought a, uh, if I can find it in here, I brought the Army shovel So because they always need a good place to stay. You know what I'm saying? So they got to dig their little foxholes at nighttime. Meal ready to eat. Really eating? <laughs> So, and then for the Marines, it really all comes in one little small package for all you Army guys out there. So you got, you got your food and you got your battle strategy plan right here in your hand, right? I don't, I don't know. They teach the guys in the Army that, that we eat these things. I don't know why, but. Uh. <laughs> um, so for the Navy, for my guy Joel Dixon back there when I was on the ship, this is going to be your main weapon right here. Uh, Oh, I had something else in here too. <laughs> oh yeah, I have a and and rice. The amount of carbs I ate on a ship in seven months will amaze you. So the Navy likes their rice. For the for the Air Force, and I'll go ahead and throw the, the chair force in there. I brought their main pack. It kind of looks like this. It it wraps around the waist like this. 
And uh, they're always prepared. So, I mean, they, they got their, their granola bars, their ink pen, and a, and a really good uh, uh, army, army knife. You know what I mean? The little, little Swiss army knife. No, I'm just kidding with you guys. Thank you all. I, I worked with a lot of branches while I was in, and we all have our, our, our spot and our need. So I honor and thank every one of you today. Um, before, uh, before the last day of our, our enlistment of our commission, you have to the hand this thing back in. And inside this thing, you would have everything that you needed for day-to-day -day combat. You would have your flak, your sappies, which is your body armor, um, your Kevlar that went on your head, your mags, you'd have everything that you needed for combat in, in a bag similar to this. And whenever you go to get out, they take that from you. You, you hand every, all your government-issued equipment back in. And uh, so for the first time in a long time, you were no longer combat ready. We were left kind of vulnerable. As we would call it in the military, as a soft target, just meaning you don't have any protection on anymore. And um, today we'll mostly be reading from Ephesians and several other scriptures, but, um, but we'll mostly be reading it in Ephesians chapter 6. And in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 11, it says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. The fighting gear we're going to talk about today is a little different than what you might have seen in the past, but it's no less lethal. There are seven pieces of this battle gear we're going to go over today each holding its own importance and its own task. As we go over these today, though, I want you to think what your normal soldier would, would be looking at when he looked at the Roman soldier. I mean, they were, they were an elite squad. They had, their, their gear was a little different. It was a little more made, uh, it was a little more preserving of themselves, right? It had more armor on them. So whenever you're, when we're reading through this today, think about what that would look like. They wore brass and they wore feathers over their head. I mean, it was, it was beautiful as well as tactical. Um, the first, the first uh, weapon we're going to talk about is the belt of truth. In Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. This part of it doesn't seem very uh, impressive. The belt doesn't sound very impressive, and it sure wasn't. It wasn't much to look at, but it did have a purpose. See, it rests on the center of the, of the, of the Roman soldier. But it was mostly covered up by other pieces of what they would wear. You really couldn't see the belt around very well. It wasn't etched, it wasn't jeweled, but it held the rest in position. Without the belt, everything would be loose and flopping around. Uh, it'd kind of be like being caught with your pants down if you're out there in battle. Uh, which reminds me of a story of not wearing a belt. Uh, I was on a school, I was waiting on my school bus at the end of my driveway and meet. Pastor Mike had been there before. And well, I had a middle brother that was pretty ornery. And there I am, the first time and the only time I remember wearing sweatpants. And as the school bus rolls up, my sweatpants went down. So uh, that's kind of what it's like not having your belt on if you've been a Roman soldier. Uh, and lots of people in here know Justin too, so that helps the story. But The belt of truth must be centered and tight for the Roman soldier to be safe and ready for battle. So what is the belt of truth? What is it, how does it apply to our life? It is nothing more than the written word of God. It is this right here. This is our belt of truth. It's what keeps everything else in line. It's the Bible. It's the only tangible piece that God gave us. Out of the, all the armor that he talks about, this is the only one we can pick up, we can carry it around, we can set it down, we can put it in a corner, we can do whatever we want with this because it's tangible. You can hold on to it with your hands. It's the truth, but it cannot be destroyed and it will not be beaten. Without the belt on, you would have no place for the sword, for your lance, for your shield to rest, 
your breastplate would be loose and flopping around. You would literally be falling apart on the battlefield if you did not have the belt of truth fixed properly in your life. Leaving you exposed and without protection. When you read the word of God, it starts to plant a seed. A seed of faith. When you continue to read, this seed grows. And as this seed grows, so does your faith grow. In uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 17, in Romans 10 17, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. I like the way the New King James Version says it too. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, me being curious because that didn't sound like normal English, I asked some people that know these things better than I do. And it's pretty simple. It means faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith comes by reading and reading and reading. The more we apply this belt of truth in our life, the more faith we have. Sundays cannot be your only interaction with this scripture. Church has its spot, but for the most part, after we get saved and after we, after we come and we get introduced to Christ, Sundays are meant to tighten and sharpen what we already have on, what we've been preparing for all week, what we've been in and studying in. We come on a Sunday and we get sharpened and we get everything tightened back up again. If you, want to, if you want to be battle ready, you have to hide the word of God in your heart, making it a part of you, a part of your daily habits. The second piece we're going to talk about today is the breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians 6.14, and the, and the body armor of God's righteousness. In the King James Version, in the King James Version, it calls it the breastplate of righteousness. So it would have been what went on, went on the torso. This piece was most definitely a piece of armor that was beautifully decorated and easily noticed. When I was studying about this, they said that they had like scale, they were like scale-like. So as they walked around with this breastplate on, it would actually get more shiny and shiny the more, the more that they wore it. Sorry, I don't think that was. But um, it would get shinier and shinier the more that they wore it. Because them, them actual brass scales would actually rub together and they would polish themselves. They wore the armor because there was an enemy with the intent to kill them. Right, that's why, we, that's why we got all this stuff. There's an enemy with an intent against us. We need the armor now because there's still a greater enemy with the intent to take everything that we love. His intent to destroy us, our kids, our family, our marriages. We need the armor now even greater because of this. When you put the, the breastplate on, when you take your righteousness and you wear it, letting it get shinier and shinier, you take on a new boldness. In that salvation, knowing once you were lost, but now we're found. Once you were wandering around in the darkness and alone, covered in the past, but now you have been rescued. You put on that and you wear it. You wear righteousness, never letting the enemy convince you again that there's no future for you, that you're a lost cause, that you've messed up too bad in this life. You stand boldly wearing your righteousness, letting the enemy know he already lost this battle. So we hear the word righteousness a lot. Uh, word, most of the time when people are coming against Christians, they like to use the word self-righteous. Okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking where there's any honor or glory amongst ourselves. Righteousness literally just means a right standing with our Father. So once we live this way, now we're changing our life, and now we're aligning with what the belt teaches us, right? When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, understanding that he defeated the enemy on the cross, and that he died for your sins, and give him your life, you become righteous, a right standing with God. When the enemy says you're not worth the oxygen that you're breathing, 
Now you know that Jesus died on the cross because you were worth every strike, every nail, every thorn on his head, nailed to a cross, you were on his mind. That to me is amazing. 2,000 years ago, I was on his mind when he was taking that beating that he took for us. When he sacrificed his life, my name was on his mind. So when the enemy throws insults and plagues your mind, hurling a, a spear of slanderous accusations at you, remember the breastplate of righteousness. The devil comes for your mind, for your command center, trying to disrupt communications, trying to demobilize you, trying to keep you feeling condemned and ashamed of past and unrighteousness. But in verse 14 it says, stand your ground. Stand the way you walked into the room with your head held high and your shoulders threw back when you got your dress blues on like my buddy Kirkland did today. When you got your dress blues on and you walk into a room, you ain't all slouched over looking all sad, right? You come in with your head held high. I've never seen a Marine walking around looking ashamed in his dress blues, I'm just going to say. The past events don't matter because now you're righteous. They've been cleansed. They've been washed away. In Romans 5, 17, it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through one man, Jesus Christ. And then we read in Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are or what we've done. This is for us. As you get in the word, putting, on the, putting the belt on, you start to build a cachet of weaponry to use against the enemy. And once you receive Jesus, it all changes. See, when we put this word in our spirit, we start to get some ammunition in our lives because we know what we stand on. And uh, our third point for today is the shoes of peace. This is one of my favorite pieces I read about. But in uh, Ephesians 6.15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from God. News so that you will be, I'm sorry, from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The shoes of the Roman soldiers had one to three inch spikes on the bottom of them. Can you imagine that? So they were used offensively and defensively. Defensively, imagine what you could do with a three-inch spike on the bottom of your feet if you were to kick somebody or, or step on somebody. But offensively, you could stand your ground, right? You could stand your ground. There was also a greave that attached from the top of the knee to the bottom of the boot. It almost made like a brass boot out of it. So you had your shoes on, but then you had your greaves that stretched down over the laces of your shoe. I don't know if they had laces, but... Um, so if you were to be kicked... So if, if you were in a fight and somebody's to kick your shin, it would protect you. Or maybe you need them around here. If a little child comes up, kicks you in the shin, it's pretty demobilizing. But um, when you have peace wrapped around your mind and your emotions, like the grieve in the shoe wrapped tightly around the soldier, you become unmovable by, by a foe. I couldn't imagine getting to sneak some of these in the Soros Pee Wee football game, by the way. That line would be a little different when they sink them spikes in the ground. But, um, but you become confident in your faith. Without being moved by what you see, hear, or worry about. When you notice peace escaping and chaos moving in, realize that you're under attack. There's two kinds of peace that I want to talk about today. There's peace with God. We talked about that, right? That's that when we take, make that decision to become in a right standing with God. What happens as soon as you see salvation? In Colossians 1, 19 through 21, it says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. 
You were the enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. This goes for all of us, right? At one point, we've all been away from God. He accepted us, and we got to come in to that peace of God. The second piece I want to talk about is the peace of God. It's a weapon against anxiety. It's a weapon against fear. It's a weapon against anxiety. Uh, worry. It's a weapon against the lack of. We've all had a little lack of at some point in our life. We don't have to let that consume us. We can live in that with peace. Because in Colossians 3.15 it says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. As you were the members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. I looked up that word rule in the Greek. That word rule right there means to umpire. That rule means, or that, that, the rule there means to let him referee your life. To let Jesus come in and call the shots for your life. When you let that peace of God call the shots in your life, you destroy the enemy's tactics. When you let the peace of God, I'm sorry, uh, when your feet are set in the ground, ready, and when he comes, peace will triumph. If your peace is uninterruptible, you become interrupt, uninterruptible. So I imagine that, what the Roman soldier would look like when there was a foe coming. He plants three-inch spikes in the ground. He's got a shield up. He's got his helmet on. He's got his breastplate on. You ain't scared, right? I mean, you'd welcome a foe to come try some of that. Sorry, I'm thirsty again. Now I see why Pastor Mike drank so much water. In Philippians 4, 7. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You have emotional protection from sadness, from stress, from anxiety. More peace than we can even understand. That's the kind of peace I want. Man, how you got so much peace in your life? I don't even understand it. I don't know. You know, I have that much peace. When it comes at me, I don't know. I just put it somewhere. And I, I just keep moving. I keep moving. I stick my feet in the ground. It can't push me back. I have peace. But now you're shooting peace with three-inch spikes massaged deep into the soil. When he strikes, you look like one of them bot bags. You ever seen one of them bot bags? You punch it and you pop right back up. The enemy comes, he hits us, we pop back up. You ever seen a storm when you're out in the ocean? You ever seen a palm tree, the branches go down to the ground? That storm clears, you look outside, that tree's standing back up. That's how we look when we wear peace. The roots and the spikes of our shoes... They, they represent the, uh, the battle that comes. But when it smoke clears, we look out there, we're still standing there, right? Because we have that peace of God. When you need healing, plant your feet. Don't listen to the report of death. Remember that peace of God stays, uh, says keep going, but the enemy wants us to quit. In Romans 16, 20, it says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The peace of God puts Satan under our feet. He puts the enemy under our feet, underneath three-inch spikes. That's his place. Our place is a place of victory. Our fourth point is the, the shield of faith. In Ephesians 6.16, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The shield of the Roman uniform rested on a clip that was attached to the belt. Imagine having no place to, to rest that massive shield. It would grow quite tiresome. Just like the shield needed the belt, so our faith needs, must have, cannot be held without the word of God. 
The presence or absence of faith determined, is determined by the presence or absence of God's word. They are inseparable. Our faith relies on this book right here. In Romans 12.3, this is going to be read in the New King James Version. For I say, through the grace given to me, to, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has given each a measure of faith that is sufficient to cover us from the top to the bottom, just like that of the Roman battle shield. Often made of six layers of leather, they would condition it with oil to keep it flexible and durable. Do I have any, any horse riders in here? Anybody? Got one guy back there? We have, to, we have to, to oil our saddles, right? If you have leather boots on or leather gloves and you don't keep them prepared, you don't keep them oiled, they start to crack and deteriorate. This is the Roman shield. It was leather. They had to keep it prepared every day. Without the word, without listening to the Holy Spirit that gives correction and direction, we will also become stiff and easily broken. It is said that the Romans would soak their shields in water when the enemy would shoot their flaming arrows through the sky at them. They had little concern because they were ready. So imagine you've got this, this, uh, you know, this large, shield, large shield, six layers of leather. You've been anointing it with oil. Now you've soaked it in water over the night so in between the, in between the layers there's, there's water so you can knock out that, uh, that dart. You definitely need that, uh, that belt to rest it on, right? Once that arrow from the enemy struck the shield, it was instantly extinguished. See, the enemy shoots these arrows at everyone. They weren't picky to shoot the arrow at just a guy who had oiled or watered his shield the night before. They didn't care. They shot him at everybody. They didn't care if they kept it flexible and durable. The enemy we face today does not care how prepared we are for battle. His goal is to destroy the, your future. When you're prepared and he shoots his flaming darts and they hit a shield that has been prepared, the tide of war starts to change a little bit. When you've been in the word of God, you know the peace of God, and you know that you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you have now put the enemy at a much needed disadvantage because we're prepared. Although the shield is perfect at its job, I love this part about the Roman shield. If the Romans wanted to push the enemy back to create a wall to protect something behind them, they could hook their shields together, creating an unbreakable wall of resistance. And it protected the person to the left and right of them. See, whenever we can take our faith and we can hook it up with a person of faith, if we allow a person to step next to us, if we allow ourselves to protect the person next to us, there's a, there's a wall that starts to happen, right? It's unbreakable. It's unstoppable and impenetrable. You create a wall of resistance. See, that's what this is about, guys. This is what's about us coming together as veterans as we find our brothers and our sisters. See, in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That's why we need people in our lives. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We come together to get some encouragement. We're only in this fight alone if we choose to be alone. Did you hear that? When you find yourself alone, you've made some choices to get yourself there. There is a battalion of troops sitting right here with you ready for battle today. 
They are ready to hook shields with you and push back the enemy that is encroaching on your home, on your marriage, on your children. There are friends sitting to the left and to the right of you ready to wage war on an enemy that says you're a failure. That's created so much static in your life that anxiety has taken over. Depression is a new reality. Fear is consuming your every day. It's time to take your shield and raise it up. Hook onto the person standing on your left and right. It's time to start blocking the darts of the enemy. And in our fifth point, the helmet of salvation. In Ephesians 6, 17, put on salvation as your helmet. I know what the word salvation was, but I'm like, how can I describe that? So I get in the dictionary and I look it up. I'm not an English major, if you guys can't tell by now. Uh, it literally means the preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. It's a pretty simple statement, right? Preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. When we accept Jesus into our life, we are preserved and delivered from harm, ruin, and loss. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from the punishment of sin. When we believe in our hearts, we are made right with God. We tell with our mouth how we were saved from the punishment of sin. Guys, that's how easy the greatest gift you'll ever receive is. Forgiveness for every bad or questionable act you have ever committed has already been paid for on a cross by Jesus Christ. The things in your past that kept you bound with shame and guilt, they're paid for. Once you accept a payment for your life, everything that once stood between you and heaven is gone. You become completely new in the eyes of God. The word actually says that your sin goes as far as the east is from the west. He forgets it. If you were an enemy and you had a POW getting loose, What's your reaction? So imagine you're sitting there, you're on, you're on duty, right? And you get one, you see a POW running. I mean, we're going to be scrambling. I mean, we've got to answer to people, right? We're going to scramble. We're going to do everything we can to get them back. The enemy that we are putting our armor on to fight today will be furious when he sees his POWs getting loose. He will start scrambling to find a way to bind you once again. This is when we pull the helmet down just a little tighter. That helmet of salvation, we strap it down a little tighter, don't we? The Roman helmet was gorgeous. It was decorated and etched with feathers. The feathers that my, my son would call them was like a mohawk. He's like, that them things that look like a mohawk? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the feathers. So. Um, but during ceremonies, they could actually go all the way down to the ground. They were beautiful. Our salvation is compared to the Roman helmet for a couple of reasons. God's salvation granted to us and accepted by us is the most magnificent thing we will ever be part of. And secondly, it covers the most vulnerable part of our body, our mind. The helmet's main function is to protect the soldier's head in close quarter combat, deflecting and absorbing the blows of the enemy. Much like the helmet, when we wear salvation confidently, and we wear it tightly, the blows of the enemy has little to no impact on us. When we understand our salvation and our Savior, Jesus Christ, it gives us the uphill advantage. When we wrap our minds around the fact that Jesus' death and resurrection purchased for us the enemy's, what it purchased for us, the enemy's attacks become a little less effective. In Ephesians 6, uh, 11, put on, God, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Some of these strategies kind of look like this. He wants you to doubt your salvation, 
paid for by Jesus Christ. Right? So when we get saved and we go home, we start our normal routine again, he's going to start planting some doubt in our minds. He wants us to believe that we don't deserve it. The fact is, is we don't, but he still gave it to us and it was free. Right? It's not for his to take back. Lastly, he keeps pressing until you believe it and are completely deceived. These are some of the tactics that he'll work on us. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of warfare are not, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Strongholds. That word we read in there, but it says, but mighty is God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds, a prison or a fortress. Prison keeps us in, fortress keeps others out. Once we're in a stronghold, once we're in a stronghold, we have let the wall build around us, keeping everyone from reaching us, most likely because of past hurts and traumas. Like we said earlier, we're only in this fight alone. So then before we know what happened, the same thing, the same wall that kept others from becoming, sorry, others from getting out is also keeping us in. What does it keep us in? It keeps us in a state of depression, in a state of guilt, concern, fear, anxiety, shame. Thoughts of hope become a thing of the past. You've isolated yourself from the love, from your loved ones and the ones who care about you. You're in a perfect place for the enemy. Alone and easy to manipulate and to cover in sin. But God says in, in Isaiah 41.10, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Jesus died for our freedom, and God has given us the weapons to retain it. Our sixth point, sword of the spirit. In Ephesians 6, 17, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the spoken word of God. It's the direct word of God that he drops into our spirit, right? Because this, this is our belt. Now we have our sword. Some versions call the Holy Spirit in this verse the helper. When we're in battle and we need a weapon, we rely on the Holy Spirit, who will send to us a helper. He will reach down into an arsenal of weapons and scriptures that we've read and placed into our hearts. And he will give us the confidence to wield a sword that no adversary could stand a chance against. The word of God. Flooding you with faith because you know that God has spoken to you without a doubt and with certainty. You become battle ready. The sword and the belt are also inseparable. The sword hangs off your belt. When you have that belt properly fitted into your life, secured in place, the sword will be ready at a moment's notice. In a hostile environment, we didn't leave our, uh, our body armor at home, right? We didn't leave our M16 or our M5. We didn't leave them in the armory. They didn't leave theirs either. When we need and study, I'm sorry, when we read and study the word of God and keep it in our hearts, we are prepared every second. We never want to be caught without our armor. Just like you wouldn't overseas, just like you wouldn't today. In Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. 
You have a weapon at your disposal that can and will repel the enemy, a weapon that the enemy knows well. When you start to wield the sword and you hold it in a defensive position, the enemy will back off. When the Holy Spirit drops that word in your spirit and you speak it out of your mouth, the enemy knows there's no chance with this one. He knows you're prepared for combat. He knows you're ready for attack. In Deuteronomy 28.7, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. It says, and briefly, it says, your towns and your fields, your children and your crops, your offsprings and your herds and your flocks, your fruit baskets and your breadboards, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. That's what the word says. When, you, when the enemy attacks your job, your house, the Holy Spirit may drop a scripture and you like this one. And you wield it like a sword and you tell the enemy, you may come, but you will leave in seven directions. The Lord says, if I, can, if I obey his commands, I will be blessed. So you can't steal what's mine. He can't have my, my family. He can't have my job. He can't have my promotion. He can't have my health. And the seventh piece, in Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The, the Bible didn't give this one a specific device. But when I was reading, I was thinking about prayer. Do I have any comms guys in here? Any comm guys? Communication? We would never go to battle without having our comms with us, right? If we need help, if we need aid, we need a way to reach out to get that. Prayers like that. It's our communication device with God. It's nothing more than a way to conversate with Him. The most amazing thing about it is you can do it anywhere you want, anytime you want. In closing up today, I know many veterans struggle when they get out of service when we step back into the civilian sector too many of us go from battling the enemy to coming home and battling our minds I've been to the VA I know what they do I love them they do lots of great things but one thing they're good at is they like to shove prescriptions at us whenever we can't deal with things or we're having a little tough time they start feeding us full of medicine too many veterans are ending their lives because help seems to not exist the words, we support our troops, is spoken more than we feel like it's acted on sometimes. But I can tell you this much today. VIP, the, the life group my wife and I run, and Hope City Church, those aren't empty words we're putting out there for you today. If you guys need help, you're not standing alone. But most importantly, the prescription I have to offer today, you don't have to wait in line at the VA for. It doesn't come in the mail. And it's called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Once you accept this prescription, expect some change in your life. Expect the chains of depression to fall off. The sadness that you wear, the unhappiness, the things that we dealt with, the things that we see today, they start to change. Once you put God's armor on, we become equipped to fight once again. This prescri prescription, it heals. Christianity isn't a crutch for the weak, it's the armor for the brave. 
We have to stop confusing pride with bravery. They're not the same. Bravery knows when to ask for help. Pride can send us to an early grave. It keeps us from searching for help, and it isolates us. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that it may be more abundantly. God has a life for you filled with joy, love, and forgiveness. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. You can't come up here and tell me something that was too bad, that this can't cover, that this prescription can't take care of. God will give you a life that is more abundant than you could ever expect. He wants you to leave here today with joy in your heart. Sometimes we leave out of the, out of the military, but they let us keep a bag. And sometimes that bag we start to fill with something different than battle gear. Sometimes we let the past and we put it in there. We let things like shame fill it, guilt, depression, past events. And we carry that around with us. That pack can't be carried by ourselves. And there is something we can do with it. We can lay it down to Jesus. If I could ask the prayer team to come up. If you've been down in the enemy, has been constantly knocking at your door. If life has more struggle in it than joy, if giving up seems better than pushing forward, it's time to go to battle. I'm tired of getting in the news and hearing about veterans taking their lives because they've not been able to deal with what they come home with. We can help with that. There is a prescription for that today. And we want to battle with you. Now, whether you're a veteran or not, this does not matter. If you're dealing with what we've been talking about, if you need some armor on, maybe it's never been on in your life, or maybe it seems like there's some holes in your armors because now it seems like the enemy's darts are coming in. We're starting to get hit by some of them. We're getting weighed down. I ask you to be brave and not prideful. I ask that you come up here today that you'll walk right up here to this front, this prayer team. We will not embarrass you. We're not going to have you have you say anything out loud, anything like that. All we want to do is pray with you. Anybody in the room, veteran or not? As we take this moment, we think about everything and everyone that sacrificed for this country. I am so grateful. And it's so sad to me that so many, they wear a pack that they can't handle. If you're in this room today and you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just ask that everybody go ahead and close their eyes and bow their head. The great thing about this is we can do it from right where we are. If you guys would just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for my sins, for my healing. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I want to turn my life 
in a direction that's pleasing and that aligns with you.